Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, animals, and general animal weirdness. Y'all, I cannot believe that it is December already. Uh, last time I checked, I'm pretty sure that that's the last month of the year, which just, I don't know, man, it just seems really wrong to me, but, uh, but here we are. And, um, so that means we only have a couple of episodes of Zoo News left this year. It also means that it is the season where a lot of people are going to be buying a whole lot of nifty gifties for each other, or, you know, occasionally to treat yo-self. And uh, I wanted to let you know that uh, I'm going to be hosting a contest this month where you can win some pretty cool prizes that may go towards that uh, gift-giving desire you have or may just make some really, really cool, uh, unique self-gifts if you win them. So uh, I'm going to be hosting a contest that is going to be based on leaving ratings and reviews for the podcast. And also, um, you'll have the opportunity to get some additional entries by donating to uh, my fundraiser for the Lehigh Valley Zoo uh, Red Panda habitat. Um, I haven't really been posting about that much lately because with everything going on uh, with the holidays and then all of the commercial stuff afterwards, I thought I would give it a little break, but that is still happening. And um, yeah, so we're going to be having a contest. There are some different prizes that I'll be talking about on socials, but right now I can tell you that um, part of the contest is you'll have the opportunity to win the Peppermint Narwhal 2024 Animal Holiday Calendar. Uh, I was gifted a few of these to uh, give out to fans uh, by the amazing people at Peppermint Narwhal when I met them at the AZA conference. And um, it was a really good time. I'm really excited to have those to share with y'all. And, uh, you know, the winners can... Uh, skip ahead a little bit on the animal holidays section each week if they want to. Although, then they'll miss the stupid jokes that I make about the holidays. So my guess is that, wait, you guys all skip those, don't you? Darn it. So I will be announcing more about that contest on socials. So please make sure that you are tuned in and checking out my stories and all that. And uh, in case you're new here, those socials are at Rossafari on all the social medias at Rossafari Pod on TikTok. Um, yeah. And that's also where you can tag me and stuff, because if you you tag me in stories, um, then then I'll I'll say your name at the end of the episode if if you've shared something uh, for Zoo News, whether it makes it onto the episode or not. Also, if you're not on socials, you can email those stories to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we get all this going. And uh, I will say, this week was a little light on Zoo News, in part just because uh, I think, you know, there was a lot going on with the holidays. But uh, we actually have a lot of conservation news to talk about. So it should be a full episode. It should be a fun episode. I have some goofiness in my brain as I was looking at these stories. So um 
yeah, without further ado, let's get to it. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care. Now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo News? Well, it's a all right, so it's not often that I get to announce something like this in December, but y'all, we have more red pandlets. The Sacramento Zoo has announced the birth of two red pandas, Kiahi and Kasari, born back on June 15th to parents Amaya and Basu. Kiahi means fire in the native Hawaiian language, and Kasari means lion in Bangladeshi. The pandas had not been introduced before now because they were not on display, but they have started to venture out on exhibit. So if you're near the area, you can go see them now. What an exciting time to be announcing new red pandlets. Very, very cool. The Toledo Zoo has announced the birth of a penguin chick, or penguin, uh, and this isn't the only new penguin in the zoo world, as the Memphis Zoo has also announced the birth of an African black-footed penguin. While the first chick doesn't have a name yet, the one at Memphis is named Elrond from Lord of the Rings, because his father is named Pippin, which is also a name in Lord of the Rings. And, and also a, a really weird Broadway musical, which has just nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, despite having song titles like Magic to do. Hmm. Note to self, write unauthorized parody musical hybridization of Lord of the Rings and Pippin the Musical, and call it Pippin, the Prince of Hobbit Town. Make sure no one hears this, especially on your podcast, and steals the idea. Anyway, moving on, the Dallas Zoo has announced the birth of a baby two-toed sloth, or slothlet, the first born at the zoo since 1981. The slothlet is thriving, including apparently having learned early on how to steal snacks from mom while she's eating and the baby is there just holding on, which is absolutely adorable. And then our uh, last birth this week, well, <clears throat> y'all, I'm, I'm cheating a bit, and I'm adding this one into the zoo births, uh, even though it wasn't born at a zoo, but, but you'll understand why in a moment here. So, for the second time in two months, a rhino has been born at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary in Wei Kambas National Park in Indonesia. Now, that's amazing news in and of itself, but the reason I'm putting it in this part of the podcast is because the father, also known as a sire, is Harapan, a male Sumatran rhino born at the Cincinnati Zoo. The zoo sent Harapan to their breeding program shortly after his birth back in 2015, uh, which was a decision that they felt was the correct one. Uh, though they admit that it was very challenging to say goodbye to a baby rhino, Rhinelet. Anyway, but now they are able to truly know they made the correct choice as there's a new baby that came from Harapan. It's really, really exciting and hopefully is just the, the first of many. 
So uh, yeah, I love this story because um, at the end of the day, it's it's just another great example of the amazing work that these incredible zoos do, uh, not only for the animals directly in their care, but also out in the wild. And of course, that brings us to our deaths for the week. And we start off uh, with the loss of Molly, the only elephant who lived at the Manila Zoo in the Philippines. Molly was a controversial elephant because she was a star attraction at the zoo for over four decades, but she lived there alone for most of that time, which is uh, something that is obviously frowned upon. Um, A lot of people who are known as animal activists without coming out hard against zoos, like one of my idols in the world of music, uh, Sir Paul McCartney, uh, have been involved in trying to get Maali out of her zoo because of the fact that she was alone and also because the conditions there seemed less than ideal, even, even if there were other elephants there. Um, so I, I could not find any indication that the zoo has any accreditation at all. And in looking at the official website of the zoo, it seems like conditions at the zoo haven't always been the best. Um, one of their frequently asked questions on their website is simply, is it safe to visit the zoo? with the answer indicating that after many modifications that have been made recently, it is, in fact, safe to visit. So, not a ringing endorsement there. Uh, However, whatever we all think of the conditions she lived in, the fact is that Maali was beloved in the Philippines. She, She was a true star. In fact, during the early push for COVID vaccinations, the zoo was set up as an official vaccination site where Molly would entertain children and adults as they got their vaccines. So um, that's 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 cool that she got to to help with that. Um, and and you know, everything else aside, Molly will be greatly missed. Our friends at Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo have announced the passing of Matilda, a beloved red-footed tortoise who has lived at the zoo since the opening of the Rainforest Building back in 1989. She was known for loving back rubs, for loving her food, but also for loving creating chaos. In particular, she loved to knock over anything that was in her path as she wandered around her habitat and uh, often would do so in such a way that that keepers would have some extra work. But uh, they loved her dearly and she will definitely be missed. And then last but not least uh, in this section, uh, Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo and Aquarium has announced the passing of Jawara, a 15-year-old male reticulated giraffe. Now, this was an unexpected passing, and while the necropsy has been performed, results are not in yet, so the zoo truly has no idea what happened. Losing Jawara is not just a big loss for the zoo, but for the giraffe community at large, as Jawara was incredible at plasma donations. Uh, 
So much so that his samples make up a significant portion of the giraffe plasma bank, a critical resource for giraffe that are under veterinary care. I do hope that the zoo is able to find answers and that the staff is able to find peace uh, from this difficult, difficult loss. All right. And so uh, we're going to start our normal zoo news with uh, honestly just a big sigh of relief. Black Friday, Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday, a day that many zoos played with by calling it Giving Zoo Day this year, which even I thought was a stretch. But hey, they're all over. Y'all, did it seem extra crazy to anyone else this year? It, It felt that way to me. Now, I will admit, I am on a lot of zoo mailing lists because of the podcast and and actually just from traveling to go see so many of them. And I will also say that I am on a bunch of them multiple times because I got re-added with my Rossafari email address after already being on with my personal email. But the emails, follow-ups, reminders, follow-up reminders, extensions, and other stuff just seemed like way more than usual this year, especially from zoos and aquariums. And while I love all of these facilities, I was not feeling it. And I know I'm not alone in this. I've, I've talked to other people who felt this way. There is one facility, and I won't throw them under the bus by naming them, And again, my fault for being on their list a few times, but I got over 30 emails from them between the day before Black Friday when they decided to start their Black Friday sale early. Normal people would call that Thanksgiving, but it to them was just the day before Black Friday, apparently, uh, through to Giving Tuesday. Over 30. That is so many emails, y'all. The creepy ex who tried to steal Zoe back from me once we started dating by sending awkward, desperate, and borderline inappropriate emails didn't send that many. But much like with that situation, Zoe and I did sit in bed together and make fun of this facility for seeming so desperate. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I get that there is a lot of noise to cut through on all of those days because it's obviously not just zoos and aquariums that are sending way too many emails. Um, But if you're listening to this and you are in marketing or PR for a zoo or aquarium, and I know a lot of you listen, maybe take a minute to think about how it all comes across. Or maybe reach out to me and let me know that Doing it that way really does have a big impact, and I can just deal with my 30-plus emails from one facility. Sorry, that zoo. She's she's just not coming back to you. Oh, I I crossed my wires there. Anyway, let's talk about one of my favorite animals. Did you know that red pandas are actually birds? Uh, Okay. Okay, no. They are not birds. But the San Diego Zoo has confirmed a long-believed, though never documented, fact about red pandas recently, and it's something that you might know to be more of a bird trait. It turns out that when red panda cubs are transitioning from nursing to eating solid foods, their mother will regurgitate food into their mouth like a bird. This helps them get used to eating solids without them being so, well, solid. 
Uh, recently, Nest Box Cameras showed new mom Adira doing this for Pavitra at the San Diego Zoo. And it's really exciting to finally have confirmation of this long-believed but never-before-proven fact. Very cool. Very cool. Kind of gross, but, you know, in a cool way. In a cool way. All right, so this next topic is important, y'all. Zoo Miami had an animal escape yesterday. Ah! I, I know, I know. You're probably thinking, John, how did you not lead with this? That's crazy. No, okay. No need to panic. I'm being goofy right now. The truth is, a recently born Bantang calf briefly squeezed through a narrow barrier around its habitat and was out on the public walkway for under 10 minutes before staff were able to get it safely home. No one, person or animal, was harmed. There was no danger, no real threat to anything. Um, but I do appreciate the honesty of Zoo Miami in reporting this incident. Um, and honestly, just want to give them props for handling it so carefully and quickly. Uh, zoos spend a lot of time training for situations like this, and it is great to see that training pay off. The Pittsburgh Zoo has announced a new fun experience. They are one of the facilities out there that do penguin parades, and now you can become a Penguins on Parade Grand Marshal. This is an upgraded experience that allows you to help aquarists guide penguins through the parade route and also gives you a look at the behind-the-scenes area of the penguin habitat. Now, if you haven't been to one yet, penguin habitats are really interesting, especially as the birds will often have a lot of drama over who gets which nest box and even who is mating with whom. It's There's a whole lot going on there. It's practically a reality TV show. So I highly recommend that you check this experience out if you are able to get to the Pittsburgh Zoo. Our friends at the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance have announced that Dr. Ekwoje Abwe, the co-leader of their African Forest Conservation Hub, recently received the Prince William Award for Conservation in Africa at the 11th Annual Tusk Conservation Awards. The Prince William Award, which is actually presented by Prince William, is the highest honor awarded at the ceremony and honors the lifetime achievements of those who have served as advocates for the wildlife and ecosystems of Africa. Congrats to Dr. Abwe and everyone at the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance for the continued and amazing conservation work that is constantly being done there. And then last, but certainly not least, in Zoo News this week, I told you, Zoo News is short this week. The Dallas Zoo has announced their new chief executive officer, Lisa New. Lisa is a name that I've known for quite a while, as she served as the president and CEO of Zoo Knoxville for the past decade. I also got to see her speak at the AZA conference this year, as she is also serving a year-long term as the chair of the AZA board of directors. I think Lisa is an incredible person, and I'm excited to see her in this new role at the Dallas Zoo. The hire is not only noteworthy because of how awesome Lisa is, but because she is the first female leader in the 135-year history of the Dallas Zoo. Congrats, Lisa. That's very cool. I'm excited to see the new 
things that you do at the Dallas Zoo. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. All right. So the effects of climate change are far reaching as we all know well too well at this point. Uh, it's both horrific and sometimes honestly amazing to see how nature tries to battle back against the negative effects humans cause on this planet. And this story is an example of that. A new hybrid species of puffin has been discovered, and scientists believe it is the first example of a hybrid species occurring entirely in reaction to climate change. So this is a new subspecies of Atlantic puffin that arose from breeding between two subspecies that were originally separated by too much distance to mate. However, one subspecies kept traveling southward until they ran into the other subspecies and started to intermingle. So what does that mean for puffins? Well, honestly, not much in the day-to-day, -day, like to the actual birds right now. But it does mean that each subspecies, including the new hybrid one, has a smaller population. It also means that genetic diversity amongst each of the original populations has gotten worse, actually significantly worse. Hybridization is both fascinating to see happen and also just another example of how our influence on the world is causing massive, untold, unexpected changes in ways that, honestly, we've barely begun to truly understand, which is a little bit scary when you think about it. But okay, on a happier note, wolverines are going to be gaining federal protection in the United States. This is a huge win for the species, which is believed to have a population of under 300 still in the lower 48 states. The population lives in fragmented groups at high elevation, making commingling very challenging. Unlike those damn puffins. <clears throat> anyway, these protections from the Biden administration come after scientists were able to convince the administration that wolverine habitat is being threatened because of, you guessed it, climate change. Now, this is also a reversal from the previous administration, as the Trump administration denied Wolverine's protection despite the same threat existing and scientists asking for help. This is just a friendly reminder that your vote really does affect animals. Although, I will also say, to be fair, that is not a blanket you should vote for Democrats or liberals and not Republicans or conservatives take. As we've talked about on here before, some of the most conservative states are amongst the ones doing the most to help with species survival. Although admittedly, in this case, it was Montana-based Republicans who fought the hardest against creating protections for wolverines, led by far-right conservative congressman Matt Rosendale, who came out against the protections as they might impact the ability of people to snowmobile and ski in areas where the animals live. Oh, what a shame. So yeah, it is important when you vote to actually look at the candidates, to decide what matters to you, and to remember that um, you are, in part speaking, 
for species that can't speak for themselves. And like I said, that doesn't always mean voting for the the party or the side uh, that you might expect. Although this story is kind of an example of one time that that would be the case. But yeah, just just remember that he says a week after the election. But like, it's important always. Anyway, anyway, moving on. We're going to be sticking with happy stories. Uh, so yeah, there has been the first sighting of a right whale calf this birthing season. And uh, it actually happened in South Carolina. So each of these right whale calf births or right whalets uh, is wildly important to the preservation of the species. So it's always exciting to celebrate the first one each year. And if you follow uh, organizations like New England Aquarium on the Twitter machine, or I guess it's called X now, um, or I don't know, somewhere better than that because Elon Musk is losing his mind and the site sucks now. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, they announce every single new calf or whale it uh, as they find it, which is always a really, really good feeling. And look, conservation news can get kind of negative. So uh, let's get that. Let's stay happy for now, right? Okay, so the EU member states and lawmakers have agreed to ban the export of plastic waste to poor countries. Now, the ban won't go into effect until the middle of 2026, but hey, It's a start. And and yeah, take a moment. Let that sink in. Rich countries have literally started exporting their plastics waste to poor countries who have it sit there, not really decomposing because they are poor and need money. Y'all, our system is, it's just so broken. Oh no, but hey, 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 we are keeping this one positive. So while our system is incredibly broken and this practice is absolutely terrible, and also this may have financial consequences for those incredibly poor nations that are devastating. So while I agree with the move, I'm also worried about these potential effects. And I also can't believe that we are here in the first place and that people still deny basic things like climate change and refuse to take simple steps like using reusable straws or even just eschewing the straw entirely and drinking out of a cup like a freaking adult, which really isn't that hard. I mean, places like Starbucks have basically invented lids that turn their cups into little more than sippy cups for adults. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it means the countries in question will have to find more effective ways to deal with their plastics, such as increasing recycling and decreasing single-use plastic usage. See? Positive. That, That whole story was very positive. 10 out of 10. No notes. Okay, but but this one truly is a purely positive story. A pangolin pup was born recently at Save Vietnam's Wildlife Conservation Breeding Program. It is always exciting to see breeding happening in conservation programs, especially as pangolin breeding has been very challenging. And there's actually a lot of debate about what role organizations like the AZA should play in breeding an insurance population in human care, since it would require taking animals out of the wild, uh, which is something that, you know, the AZA generally tries not to do now. But as the most trafficked animal in the world, one wonders if that isn't the right move. Uh, but it's, it, it is one that can't be taken lightly. 
you know, thinking about it, I should probably do an episode focusing on that debate and what's gone on so far. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'll look into that further. It's it's a really fascinating story. I've been following it for years since since before I launched the podcast, for sure. Um, and and as a person who's seen more pangolins than most, probably, uh, you know, unless you live where pangolins live. Um, they really are fascinating creatures. Uh, I've, I've seen them at a few different facilities and, um, they never cease to amaze. Uh, it's, it's so weird that the most trafficked animal is one that, you know, the average person hasn't even heard of. It, it's a really interesting debate. It, it really gets into the importance of, uh, zoos and aquariums and, research centers and conservation breeding areas and all of that stuff. But uh, for now, we can celebrate the birth of a new pangolin pup or panglet. See, that's the only problem with the let thing. You've got penglets and panglets and all kinds of stuff. It, it, it does get a little confusing sometimes, but still less confusing than how we normally do it. Anyway, speaking of conservation organizations and government agencies breeding animals, New South Wales in Australia has bred and released a record number of the endangered white's seahorse. This is a huge victory for the conservation of the species. Uh, they're also building seahorse hotels, basically, in Sydney Harbor uh, for the seahorses to set up homes in. These are basically small buildings that are made of small interconnected metal posts. Um, almost they look a little bit like old school cages, but, you know, the, the seahorses aren't in them. Instead, they can wrap their tails around the bars and do uh, seahorse things at them. Um, I'm guessing this really helps as coral disappears. It helps the seahorses to have places to attach to because normally they would attach to the, the coral that is, you know, disappearing. Anyway, I love this so much and I think it is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful story. And then last but not least in conservation news this week, an elephant in Kenya has given birth to twins. This is an extremely rare occurrence, so it is extra exciting, and since every single elephant birth matters for the survival of the species, two births at once is really important. It's especially cool because this is actually the second set of twins born in the Samburu National Reserve in the last two years to two different mothers. Now, it's very possible that that is... You know, just a coincidence, but also maybe the fact that they're in a reserve where they have enough food. Maybe it would be a more common occurrence if um, elephants knew that they would have what they need to survive. I'm completely hypothesizing here. It's it's very likely that there have just been two twin births there. But um, it's nice to think that it's because uh, elephants are doing better when they're in safe spaces like that. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. All right. So um, I'm just going to start off this segment by saying that menopause sucks. Uh, okay, admittedly, I'm, I'm, I'm not 
going through menopause. Um, and before you point out that I'm both too young and too male to have an opinion on this, uh, I would just like to point out that most of y'all haven't met my mother and I am allowed to share my personal traumas as I see fit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, this is an interesting story. So until recently, it has been believed that menopause was an exclusively human thing when it came to primates. But we now know that is not the case. It turns out that chimps also experience the hormonal shifts we associate with menopause. This was discovered by scientists studying a wild population of chimps in Uganda for 21 years. In the case of these chimps, urine samples showed hormone levels changing starting around the age of 50. This is also the age at which many humans start to experience menopause. It's not entirely surprising that one of our closest relatives experiences the same thing that human women do, uh, but it is definitely interesting. And and I mentioned uh, that, that this was something where we thought only humans uh, had this when it came to primates. That's because there are actually a few other uh, non-primate species that go through menopause. These species include orcas, Huh. Maybe that explains all the recently sunken attack ships. Uh, anyway, um, some pilot whales, narwhals, beluga whales, and false killer whales. Whole, whole lot of whales in there. And uh, no, I will not be making any of the obvious jokes I could make here because, uh, well, I just I'm too good of a person. I'm too kind, really. And most of all, I'm too afraid of being murdered violently. But hey, y'all are welcome to supply your own jokes here if you would like to. A badger with leucism has been spotted at the Point Reyes National Seashore in Northern California. Leucism is a partial loss of pigmentation, making this badger basically all white, though there are like a few different shades of white. Now, as a reminder, this is different than albinism, uh, meaning that there is still some pigment, including in the eyes, as most leucistic animals don't have the red eyes we associate with albino animals. Anyway, the, the point is, this is an adorable animal, and you should probably Google it because uh, it's, it's quite a sight to see. And then last but not least in other news this week. Okay, so going back to the possibly menopausal orca attacks that are happening off the coast of Spain and Portugal, um, there's a new tactic that's uh, being used to try to prevent them. Some sailors have determined, and I would love to know how they came to this hypothesis, that orcas apparently hate death metal. Like... Uh, the music that's not the name of a crazy big harpoon or anything like death metal music sailors found that blasting a playlist of heavy metal specifically death metal music actually prevented some orca attacks so they started circulating the playlist from ship to ship uh, it seems some pods of orcas reacted by stopping their attacks while others were not dissuaded it is a fascinating story that could be mere coincidence or could have something to it. 
in thinking about it uh, myself, you know, I realize that death metal is a style of music that has a lot of low end. There's a lot of bass. Um, a lot of the bassists in metal bands will use a five or even six string bass with a lower string or two than most basses have, um, which obviously means they can hit lower notes. The drummers are known for using um, either two bass drums or a double bass drum pedal to just blast as fast as they can, just like that. That's that's basically exactly what it sounds like. You're welcome. Um, and often the vocalists uh, will will growl and and make noises where you literally can't make the words out while the guitarists use heavy distortion and and strum oftentimes on a seven string guitar so like we like adding low notes to heavy metal music and especially to death metal Uh, on a side note did you know there was a death metal band called caninus that had a dog as a lead singer it's true uh, it was a bunch of an incredible death metal musicians who recorded without a vocalist and then used recordings of one of the members dogs barking and growling, which were then shaped into the vocal parts. No, the dog did not perform live, although that would have been adorable. But anyway, yeah, so I'm wondering if um, because of all the low end and all of the vibrations, especially from the bass drum, especially going, you know, just like that, you're again, you're welcome. I'm wondering if if that had something to do with dissuading these animals who communicate, you know, sonically under the water and uh, but but then it could just be a coincidence because it didn't work for all of them. And so who the heck knows but it's it's definitely interesting that um death metal seems to have had some effect on some of the orca attacks i mean i gotta be honest i know it would keep me away All right, and that brings us to our animal holidays for the week. And y'all, it is officially December. December doesn't actually get an official, an official? I just said the word official. And I already have an outtake for the week, so I'm going to leave that in as my early December gift to all of you. Um, official. But yeah, so December doesn't get an official month designation in the animal world or anything. So, um... Well, I guess at the end of the day, uh, suck it, December. <laughs> no, but um. anyway, moving on from that. Uh, the second is National Mutt Day. The third is International Baboon Day and also World Kawadi Day. On a side note, Zoe makes fun of me and says that I say baboon funny, but whatever. Anyway, the third also starts Walrus Awareness Week, which runs to the 9th. And then the fourth is International Cheetah Day and World Wildlife Conservation Day. And the fifth is World Soil Day. So make sure you get out there and soil your... No, do not not do that. Sheesh, you know, for a guy who records his podcast alone in a room, I get yelled at, like, a lot. (laughs) 
All right. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of Rasafari Zoo News is done. And uh, make sure you check out my socials tomorrow, especially my stories, for more information about the contest that I will be holding. Uh, Also, a friendly reminder that you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash rossafari and becoming a patron. And I would like to say thank you to all of my patrons, especially my Red Panda-level patrons, Dr. Lara Shank, Dr. Stephen Williamson, and Barbara Bennett. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who contributed news this week. I know it's especially hard with the holidays and everything going on. So I am eternally grateful to the people who sent stuff, including Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley Croninger, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Emily Rockbuck, Stephanie Hare, Marianne Rossi, Patrick Magruder, Kristen Khalil, Dr. Lara Shank, May Kalensky, Mally Alensky. Uh, yeah, close enough. You guys knew what I meant. Lisa Claire, Dr. Zoe Rossi, Ren Howell, and Elizabeth Dunlevy. And remember, friends, the words newsy credits backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Also, if you're not on socials, you could tag. No, you can't tag me if you're not on socials. Blop!